Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg, and I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies, and I am so excited to share a really unique birth story, a community birth story. So I have Meredith Roucher Sisson, and full disclosure, she is one of our past teacher trainees. I got to know her a few years ago when she did our teacher training, and then she showed up during COVID pregnant online, and I got to walk beside her as she went through her whole pregnancy, and it was really a joy. She has a really unique take on the differences in her pregnancies. So her first birth was a very empowered, satisfying cesarean birth. And then she had a VBAC and she discusses the difference between how she prepared for her first and second birth, her philosophy, things that she felt really good about and supported with, with her first and, and her own reaction and involvement in her second birth as a, as having a VBAC. And she also bravely talks about challenges in breastfeeding, which is something I think that we don't talk about enough. It's not the easiest for many people, myself included. So I love that we are able to dive into that conversation. But I just want to tell you a little bit about Meredith. She is the Assistant Director of the National Scholarship Office at Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia. She's an art historian. I didn't know she had a PhD, so I asked if I need to call her Dr. Meredith. She said no. <laughs> She's a dog mom, a wife, a yogi, and recently now the mom of two. And it was just a really wonderful time chatting with Meredith about her births. And what else? So before we get to that conversation, I just want to say how exciting it is to see how many people have jumped on our website and downloaded my guide, The Five Simple Solutions to the Most Common Pregnancy Pains. And I say it's pregnancy, but these also are great for postpartum too. So if you haven't done this yet, head over to prenatalyogacenter.com and download that. So if you don't have time for a full class and you still have some back or shoulder or hip ache, I can help you with that few minutes and we can help resolve some of that discomfort. Also, we are keeping our online classes. It's kind of a new thing. We thought, all right, it worked well during COVID and people are continuing. Why close that door? So you can join us wherever you are in the world and you don't even have to do it live stream. We have re-releases so that you can enjoy prenatal classes that can really support and empower you throughout your whole pregnancy and postpartum. And of course, we do have in-studio classes and workshops and on-demand classes classes and workshops. So we got you supported from bump to baby. We got you going. And then what else is going on? Um, Oh, teacher training. So interesting what we've decided to do because what I've counted up is we've now done seven prenatal yoga teacher trainings online since April of 2020 and a postnatal teacher training online. And they're going really well, but I'm really excited to get back in person. So what we decided, instead of traveling, which we used to do, travel around to different studios, twice a year, we're going to do online teacher trainings. And then twice a year, we're going to do in-person at our New York City studio. So we still have an online teacher training coming up for January and February of 2022. Then we'll do in-person for March and April. And then we'll do in-person for September and October. And then 
back online November and December. Part of that thinking was during the more challenging and unpredictable weather times, why put myself in the situation of canceled flights or trains or whatever? We can do it from home. So that is what is going on at PYC. And then the last thing I wanted to say is thank you. We have seen a real bump in our ratings and reviews for the podcast, and I know it takes time and effort, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for doing that. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, please enjoy Meredith's story. Hi, Meredith. How are you? I'm good, Deb. How are you? I'm doing so well. I'm really, really excited to hear your birth story. I absolutely love when I get to watch someone go through the trajectory of the birth, especially those that I got to know through teacher training. It's funny. I've been doing um, a lot of community birth stories, and I, I have one I just did the other day. I have another next week, and I realize they're all like past teacher trainees. <laughs> <laughs> I keep it close. I keep the community close. So thank you for joining me. And I'm really excited to hear all about your second birth. But before we do that, I know about you because I've had the joy of getting to know you, but would you just tell the community a little bit about you? Sure. Um, so I am a mom of two human boys and one dog who's also a boy. Um, and so with my husband, that makes me uh, a minority in my house is <laughs> the only estrogen bearer. Um, and, and it's fun. It's like the Wild West um, all the time, especially when my three-year-old Russell um, has friends. It's just, it's, it's crazy town. Um, in my professional life, I, um, I actually trained as an art historian. So I did the whole PhD thing and then decided I didn't want to be an art historian. So I actually work um, as the assistant director of the National Scholarship Office at Virginia Commonwealth University. So I'm, I'm here in Richmond, Virginia. Um, and in my job, I get to work with students and alumni from the university who are um, interested in applying for, for nationally and internationally competitive awards. Um, and I help them discover opportunities and, and then craft their applications. And it's it's sort of part career advising, part writing, coaching, part professor and, and part cheerleader. Um, it's a really fun job and, and I like it for, for itself. And also for the fact that at four 30, I get to close up shop and, and go see my kids. That's pretty amazing. I no, I didn't know that you had a PhD. So do I need to now call you Dr. Sasson? <laughs> um, no, no, you can just call me Meredith. It's fine. Dr. Meredith. Can I actually do Dr. Meredith? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just having fun with you because I didn't know that. That's fun. Yay. All right. So we're going to talk about your birth and your pregnancy. So I knew you, I got to know you before you are pregnant with your second child and not that long after the birth of your first, if I'm correct. Am I right about that? Yeah. So Russell was born in May of 2018. And then I did teacher training with you that started either in February or March, maybe March of, of 2019. Okay. So yeah, not that long after. So I'd love to hear a little bit about, I guess, both births and pregnancies. How did you approach your second pregnancy in a different way compared to your first? Yeah. Um, everything was different, like literally everything. Um, with my first birth, um, I really didn't know a lot about birth. I'm, I'm the daughter of two medical physicians, medical doctors, um, and have a, 
a very deep-seated, innate trust of Western medicine um, and just figured, oh, of course, like I'll have an OB, I'll give birth in a hospital because that's, that's what we do. And I'll do the childbirth ed through the hospital and um, my husband's going to be there. So uh, I don't, I don't need a doula and um, like never thought twice about a midwife or um, body work or any of that stuff. Um, and was just like, well, you know, we'll see how it goes. I, I'm going to try it without the epidural and if I need one, I'll get one. Um, and, and it'll be whatever it'll be. And, and that's great. And I didn't do a lot of learning beyond that. Um, I mean, I did read a, a couple of books. I did make a birth plan, um, sort of on Emily Oster's recommendation from the book expecting better. Um, but then when, when the birth went like totally in a direction I had not anticipated at all, um, I sort of just went along for the ride and, and what had happened with that was um, at, I guess, 40 weeks and two days, I went in for my normal uh, prenatal appointment and my blood pressure spiked. And mm-hmm. so my doctor sent me to the hospital. Um, they ran a whole flurry of tests, including checking my blood pressure for an hour, and everything came back perfectly normal. Um, and the best way to like, get completely ignored in the hospital is for everything to be perfectly normal. So we sat there for hours waiting for the the OB on call to come in and discharge us. Um, but she was like, you know, just because you're f- over 40, um, I want to do an ultrasound just just to be safe. And she actually found that I had almost no amniotic fluid left. Like she couldn't even find a pocket of, of two centimeters. Um, and so they started an induction right then and there. Um, I, I had Cervidil overnight and they hung the Pitocin in the morning. And um, I don't know, after five or six hours of laboring on Pitocin, um, I I got an epidural and um, eventually after 17 hours of labor, um, because of fetal distress, I ended up with a C-section. Um, and, it, you know, it wasn't an emergency. It was something we had been talking about for, for a couple of hours, um, but it was definitely not planned. Um, and so that, that, you know, I wouldn't say it was a bad experience at all. I felt very well cared for by the the nurse um, who was assigned to to me while I was in labor. Um, she really held my hand until Andrew, my husband, could come into the op- operating room um, and and was explaining everything step by step for me. Um, and and so we had we had what we thought was a very good experience, um, but I didn't want to do that again. Um, and so part of why I did the the prenatal yoga teacher training with you was because something that had been so foundational in my first birth was prenatal yoga. Um, and I felt like the pregnant population was a population that, that I felt a, a connection with in a way that I never had when I did my initial yoga training um, and, and teaching. And um, through that process, I just learned so much um, about birth. And I realized that I had options that I didn't know were even options um, and that I could make decisions about a lot of things that never even occurred to me. Um, And so I I switched providers because um, while my first OB was a a great doctor um, and she did a wonderful job with my surgery, I healed very quickly. Um, 
I didn't think she was going to be the kind of person to sort of hold my hand and take the time to answer all of my questions as I navigated um, a VBAC attempt. And um, I, I wasn't even sure, I didn't ask her to be fair, but I wasn't sure that she was going to support um, an unmedicated vaginal birth after cesarean. Um, so I switched providers um, to a new OBGYN um, who I met with once to interview. And in the interview alone, she gave me like an hour and a half of her time, which was just incredible. Um, and then I had I, I did a um, annual with her where we talked about um, you know, sort of what could my options be when I got pregnant, um, either staying with her as my OB or working with the midwives at the same hospital. Um, they have a, a sort of connected or, or cooperative practice in the same hospital. So they, you know, they round together and, and they work very closely with one another. Um, and I felt very good about having an established a relationship with an OB um, who could sort of be my backup if uh, anything went south uh, in my labor. Um, but I worked with midwives for my entire uh, pregnancy. I got a doula, which I didn't do the first time. Um, I, I went to a chiropractor, which I never did in my first pregnancy. Can I um, jump in and ask one question? So with both your parents yeah. as Western medicine uh, physicians, what was their thought? Were they supportive? Were they questioning when you said, I'm going to go with the midwife, I'm going to have a doula? How did they yeah. receive that? So my dad was just like, cool, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he's the pediatrician. So he deals with, with ah, yeah. pregnant people and, and new parents um, pretty regularly. But um, I think my mom was very nervous about working with midwives that they wouldn't necessarily know as quickly or as, as well if something went wrong. Um, but, but she supported me. Um, That's great. I, I, if, if we fast forward um, to the birth story part where I had a, an external version um, <laughs> because my baby flipped breech, um, she was really nervous about that, um, especially at the point where I was like, well, um, you know, the, I'm going to go forward with a version because she had been, um, chief medical officer of a, of a neighborhood, um, or community hospital in Brooklyn and had seen versions go bad. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it, it made her very nervous that I was even going to do that. But when she asked me like, well, what will you do if it doesn't work? Um, you know, I said, well, then I have to explore my options and, and my options are, you know, schedule a C-section or, there is a, a, an OB in Richmond who is willing to um, to do breach deliveries, and I would want to meet him and, and see what that's about. And she nearly like had a heart attack when I said that. Um, so so you know she she definitely um, was very nervous for my safety, um, as as you know any good Jewish mom would be. Um, <laughs> But I but just laugh because I remember my mother, when I told her I was using a midwife, she's like, are they even medically trained? And I'm yeah. like, yes, they are. <laughs> like, I was like, what are you thinking? <laughs> so sorry, I interrupted you. So let's go back to where you were before. So, um, where were we on your story? I think I, think I was, I was almost at the end of, of my answer that, you know, I, I said, I, it's, sought out a chiropractor. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Thank you. 
which which was sort of a brave new front for me. Um, with Russell, I definitely was was anti chiropractic care, um, but discovered it this time around, and it was magic. It was amazing. Um, but overall, I'd say I, it felt much more proactive. Like I felt like I actually was taking the front seat and participating in this pregnancy rather than just like observing it. And how did that make you feel about just all the decisions and the whole process? I love that you, I love that you use the words like you're taking an active role. Yeah. Um, I think, I think making those decisions actually allowed me to let go more of, of expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, because I knew that I had done everything I could to like line up the best support team that I could and to know what my options were and, and know what I would want to do in, you know, various situations. And, you know, you can't plan for everything. Um, but knowing that I didn't want a cesarean, I felt like I did everything I could to potentially avoid it. Um, but if it happened, like there wasn't anything I, I could have done differently. Right. Uh, and so, you know, I could just go into my labor knowing that whatever way it happened or like the ECV, if that ended up in a cesarean, like it, that's just cause it, it, it had to be that way. Right. And I could see that being more satisfying um, especially as one would recall their birth story, be like the, on the other side, if you didn't, you could have thought like, Oh, what if I tried? And then if you did all the things, there is that satisfaction that you threw everything you could at the situation and then things landed as they did. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that, that that was a lesson I, I learned from my first birth. Um, and, and we'll probably talk about this later, but I had a, a just an enormous amount of trouble nursing Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I joke, like I don't, I don't make humans who are anatomically well-suited to nursing. And I mean, it's true. Both of them, um, had tongue ties and lip ties and, um, protruding, no, not protruding, um, rec- receding chins. And Russell had a, also like a high arch in his palate. And so they just, both of them couldn't transfer milk. Um, and I wondered a lot after Russell was born and, and struggling with that, whether the epidural and the C-section had anything to do with it. And I can look back now and know that, no, probably not. Um, but at the time, like it was definitely something I'm like, well, if I had done this differently, would it be different? Right. And that will just keep your mind continuously down that spiral. So I want to hear your birth story. I'm so excited. So we're going to take a super quick break. And when we come back, we're just going to let the floodgates go. And it's all about you sharing your story. We'll be right back. All right, my friend, the microphone is yours. I just want to hear everything you want to share. Okay. Um, well, I, I guess I will share um, starting at 36 weeks when my my baby, who had otherwise been head down, um, decided to turn breech. Um, and, and all of a sudden I had to, to go in for an external cephalic version, um, which I, I knew what it was and I knew about it, but it wasn't something I ever thought I was going to have to do. Um, so I guess I, I did get my epidural for this pregnancy. I had like legitimately, I think the best epidural that anybody could possibly place. 
um, where I was only numb from like below the breast to like the pubic line. <laughs> um, and I, I, it was great. Um, although my blood pressure dropped several times to like scary low, um, numbers, but, but the version worked, um, which was, which was very exciting. And, um, apparently I was the first person, uh, my doula supported who she walked out of a hospital with while still pregnant. Um, (laughs) so I got to go home and wait another four weeks for Noah to make his grand appearance. Um, I went to, to 41 weeks and, um, at 39 weeks and six days, I went in for a non-stress test and an ultrasound, um, and everything looked good. And I met with my midwife and she stripped my membranes and then told me in the morning I was going to be taking castor oil, um, which I know that, you know, there's not great evidence on, um, either way, but. Uh, if anybody is interested in, in thinking of doing it and their care provider says that it's a good idea, the the recipe of two tablespoons of castor oil to two tablespoons of peanut butter and then spreading that on toast was actually quite bearable. Um, but it did make me nauseous all day. Um, so I spent most of the day in bed um, with seemingly nothing happening other than just wanting to vomit all day. Um when I finally started to feel better, I went walking with my husband. We did the the curb walking, mm-hmm. um, which is, is just feels so funny when your neighbors are like, what are you doing? All right, explain um, the curb walking because now I'm actually just visualizing you doing this, like one foot on a curb. One foot, it must have been like, what is that crazy pregnant person up to? Yeah. And I had to sort of like go back and forth on the same block on the same side of the street because I I wanted to like get both sides. Um, but essentially the idea is that you, you jostle the baby and the pelvis around enough that, that maybe it gives them the idea to get things going. Um, and so at this point we're at, I don't know, like four in the afternoon, I come back in the house. I'm both my parents are here because um, I'm 41 weeks pregnant. And so it's going to happen at some point in the near future. Um, and they were going to take care of my older son uh, while I was in the hospital. So my dad went to go get Russell um, from daycare. And I'm sitting and talking to my mom, um, sitting on a yoga ball, because it's like the only comfortable place to sit. And um, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes later, the door flies open and Russell is screaming and my dad is upset and I turn around and Russell's just like bleeding from the face um, because apparently he had had my dad carry him in the house and my poor father tripped and both of them went into the brick steps in front of my house um, and Russell landed on his face. And um, I mean, he, it turned out he was fine. I'll fast forward so that nobody has to worry <laughs> Um, but he did split his lip and he like very badly scraped, um, like the side of his chin and the bottom of his chin and had a gash on his chin. Um, and you know, of course the only thing he wants is for his mom to hold him. Um, my poor parents were just panicking, um, because my dad felt so badly and, my, my mom was just trying to make it better. So she's like, Russell, do you want ice? Do you want a popsicle? Do you want a, a cupcake? Do you want <laughs> cookies? And Russell's just screaming and I start to have contractions. 
Um, and, and he's sitting on my lap and bleeding all over me. Um, luckily I was wearing black because that's exactly what I wore to the hospital. Um, but eventually I like, I take him upstairs out of, out of the hustle and I'm, I'm trying to calm him down in his room and rocking with him on his, on the rocking chair in his room. And at a certain point I said, my husband comes in and I said to him, I was like, you need to time these contractions because like, I can't breathe. Like I can't, I can't talk through them. Um, like when they happen, I need to focus on them. And I'm thinking, okay, we're like, you know, 10 minutes apart or, or 15 minutes apart even. And, and he starts to time them. And after a couple, I look up at him like, and so, and he's like, they're three minutes apart. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, you, you, you stay with Russell and I'm going to go call Heidi, um, our doula. And I talked to her and she's like, yeah, so, um, you should go eat some dinner and I'm going to go eat some dinner and we're going to talk in 20 minutes. And I was like, there's, there's no way I'm going to eat any dinner. And she's like, well, okay have Andrew eat some dinner <laughs> and then we're going to call, we're going to talk in 20 minutes. Um, so I am basically at this point laboring by myself, um, in my, in my bathroom, which you'll know from, from live stream yoga classes, um, is where I, I practice cause it's big. Um, and I have the, my mat down on the floor so my knees won't hurt. And, and I have my big yoga ball in there and I'm, I'm sort of leaning over the ball and just rocking and, timing my contractions. And by the time that I talk to Heidi again, they're a minute and a half apart and lasting 50 seconds. Um, so she's like, okay, um, I'm not coming to your house. I need you to call the midwife, um, and, and see if, if she's going to have you come in. And I, I'm pretty sure she is. I called the midwife and she was like, yep, it's time to come in. Uh, so we drove, uh, 20 minutes to the hospital. Um, and in the car, my contractions definitely slowed down a bit. Uh, but we got to the hospital and I, I walked to L and D and, um, left my, my child, uh, who, who seemed to not be bleeding so much from the face and was definitely eating a popsicle and watching TV on the couch with my parents. Um, and I don't know really much more than that because I, I couldn't, I just couldn't pay attention. Um, but by the time we got to the hospital, I was already seven centimeters. Um, so it was, it was probably pretty good that my labor slowed down a little bit because, um, I like, I very clearly remember saying to my midwife or, or my doula or both, I don't know, whoever was standing with me, like, I thought there were supposed to be beta endorphins. <laughs> <laughs> That's, like, what, was, that's what was, I was promised. Where are my beta endorphins? Yes. Because <laughs> um, I, I was definitely overwhelmed. And I think my body just recognized that and was like, let's bring this back to a pace where where we can, you know, control our breathing and 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 move with this. Um but but it was um, you know, it was obviously hard. It was painful. Um, but it moved relatively quickly. Um I, I labored on the toilet a lot. Um, and at one point we, we dropped my monitor <laughs> into the toilet <laughs> for some comic relief, I guess. <laughs> um, I labored, um, in sideline for a little bit and kneeling over the back of the bed. Um, but the upright positions were definitely the ones that were working the best. Um, and so like within, I don't know, less than three hours of being at the hospital, um, maybe two, 
I was fully dilated and, um, and, and actually ready to start pushing. So it was, it was interesting that like the labor went so fast cause I had labored before, but the pushing went really slow. And that was the part I had never done before. Um, with Russell, I got to like nine and a half centimeters and then went to C-section. Um, and so with this, I mean, I remember saying at, at one point, like, is this even working? Um, and it was when we were like staring in the mirror at Noah crowning. Um, but I, I just couldn't even tell if anything was happening. Um, but so after like two and a half hours of pushing, uh, Noah was born. Um, he was a, a healthy nine pounds, <laughs> um, which was also a surprise to me because Russell had, had been in the seven range. Um, so I didn't, I didn't know I made big babies, uh, but I do apparently. And, and it was, it was amazing. I mean, after he was born and I, I got to watch him like sliding out of me, uh, the midwife put him right on my chest and, um, she, you know, showed us the, the cord, um, sort of turning gray and, and stop pulsing and Andrew got to cut the cord. Um, and, and. I definitely felt like wide awake and, and happy. Um, you know, and I, I think that, that you want to talk about this later, but, um, you know, part of, of my surprise with it was that I, I didn't feel this like, like Amy Cutter power posing victory <laughs> lap coming on. Um, you know, I thought that I was going to feel like, like an Amazon warrior. Um, and, and I didn't. And so it took me, it took me a while after the birth to sort of come to terms with the fact that I actually had exactly the birth that I wanted, maybe minus the tub part. I wanted to get in the tub and never got there. Um, but, but that I, I wasn't as like over the moon enthusiastically excited about it. Um, let's go into that. So let's talk okay. about how, yeah. First of all, can I also say, I love that you talked about the Amy Cutter power pose because I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've done several. I don't know if you were any, in any of those yoga classes where that was the theme. Like we did like the wide stance, hands on hips. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so kudos to you for offering that because I'm wondering maybe like 10% of the community listening would be like, what is this? So I'll make sure I put in the show notes, but thank you for sharing that part. Cause it just made me smile, but let's jump into how, cause one thing that you wrote when you shared your birth story was that feeling of like, huh? I had a V-back. Hmm. So mm-hmm. let's unpack that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, so the, the V-back was definitely empowering for me. Um, I think not in the sort of like bright and bold way that I thought it was going to be. Uh, but it gave me, it gave me a lot of confidence. Like I know that my body is strong. Um, and that I can endure and, and maybe even conquer a lot. Um, and, and I, I, I certainly don't want, I think part of it is that I don't want to diminish my first birth. Um, you know, that wasn't the birth that I had been expecting and it wasn't the birth I wanted to have again, but it was the birth that I had. Um, and it, it still required a lot of like strength and stamina and wherewithal from, from me. Um, to get through it, it was just in a different way. And so I think part of, of my ambivalence was 
like not wanting to overshadow the the beauty that was that birth also. Yeah, it wasn't uh, like a do-over because I've heard some people wanting a VBAC feeling like they missed something. So this is their do-over. That's not how you approached it if I'm hearing you correct. Yeah, I think that that's right. Like I definitely wanted to, I wanted to give my body a chance to do, you know, what people in the birth world and, and, and midwives and Ina Mae Gaskin, you know, who all say like your body is made for this. And I wanted to give my body a chance to try it um, and and to show myself that my body could do it because I didn't have the opportunity to really prove that to myself before. So in that sense, I guess it was a do-over. But really, like, I wasn't trying to heal myself mm-hmm. um, because I, there were, I, I wasn't traumatized by my first, my first birth. Like, I was, I think, very lucky in that even though I didn't have the birth that I thought I was going to have, I still felt very cared for and respected um, and considered throughout the whole thing. Mm. Um, That's important. And I think you just opened a huge can of worms and really hit it that people can have what one might look at as like a quote unquote perfect birth, but if they didn't feel cared for or considered or heard, they can interpret that as traumatized. But mm-hmm. So it's not the method in which someone's birthed. It's really how they're made to feel throughout the process. I think that that's exactly right. Um, and I was, I was blessed with, I mean, my, my L and D nurse in my first birth, her name was Angela. And like, I think on purpose, like she was angelic, honestly. Um, and, and I, I'm like so grateful for everything she did to make sure that I knew what was happening and that I you know, could do what I needed to do. Like I yelled and screamed and made a lot of noise and nobody ever told me to be quiet. And, um, she wasn't alarmed by it. She didn't, you know, worry that I was making a lot of noise. Um, and she was, you know, using the peanut balls and moving me even as I had my epidural. So, you know, I, I really give her a lot of credit for, um, for making me feel like I was a part of my birth and that we were doing everything to help my baby come out safely and to make it an experience that, that I could feel proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I didn't want to diminish that. Um, and, and I, you know, I think I'm seven months out now and I still probably have lots of processing to do over years to come, but, um, but I did get a lot out of, out of this birth, um, that was new. Like I, I got to see how, surrendering to my body and my baby could instill in me um, a real sense of of being able to work as a team. Um, like I, I noticed that now, even seven months after he's born, that I intuit things about him and from him much more easily than I felt like I did with Russell. And of, of course, some of that is that I parented a baby before. Mm-hmm. Um and so I, I learned more about being a parent and, and what babies need and what they do when they need those things. Um, but I, I definitely have more confidence in my ability to to parent this baby. Um, so this is where I'm thinking in your 
births. I reread the email that you sent me of your birth story and you were talking about you gained a certain wisdom and approach. Is this what you were thinking about with that? Just that sense of confidence and that innate wisdom of attuning to your baby? That's definitely part of it. Um, like I think I enjoyed this postpartum so much more. Um, and part of it is because like, I just felt like, like Noah and me, like we're a team. Um, and, and I, I know how to mother him. Um, like I'm not going to know everything all the time. He's still going to cry sometimes that I don't know what he needs, but more often than not, like I, I do know what he needs or I know what will make him feel better, even if it's maybe not exactly what he was hoping for. Um, but I think part of, part of it is also just learning from my first go about, um, you know, with, with Russell, um, I struggled, as I said, enormously with nursing. And when I was pregnant, I remember somebody asking me like, Oh, are you going to breastfeed? And I said, um, you know, if it works, um, nothing wrong with formula fed, fed is best. Um, but then once I was confronted with the situation of, of possibly not being able to nurse, I went like totally insane. Um, I, I wanted to make it work so bad. I met with multiple lactation consultants. I, at certain point, um, was, was doing the, uh, nurse pump bottle every two and a half hours for like eight weeks. Um, which I don't, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Like it was horrible, um, cause it was exhausting. And I just felt, I mean, for forever, like I felt that my, bo- my body was betraying me and my baby was rejecting me. And, you know, I, I am definitely the type of person who has, has lived by an ethos of like, if you work hard, good things will come. Um, and this was a case where I was working really, really hard and it wasn't, it wasn't making what I wanted just happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I, I was taking fenugreek and baking lactation cookies and, um, and just all the things. And it was, it was maddening. Um, and probably I think stressful too. I mean, as a new parent, yeah. you also just had major abdominal surgery and, your hormones are still fluctuating. That must have been a very stressful time. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't just horrible for me. Like it was horrible for, for my husband, um, who was amazing. I mean, he, he did almost every feeding with me, um, during that time and, and just really, really gave me so much of himself, um, to support me because he knew that I cared that much about it. Um, and and I finally stopped trying to make it work. I stopped pumping altogether um, at five months because at that point I would like pump for half an hour and I'd get half an ounce. Um, and it just wasn't worth it to me anymore. But I, I had to be the one to get to the point to say like, it wasn't worth it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, half a million people had told me <laughs> leading up to that, like you have my permission to quit. And I was like, I don't need your permission. I need my permission. Mm-hmm. Um and going into to motherhood the second time, um, you know, Andrew and I had talked a lot about like what would we do if we ended up in the situation again. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to go crazy again. I don't think I'm going to get lost in this because I, I don't want to do this to myself again. 
Um, but if I do, I want you to to tell me to stop. <laughs> and he was like, are you sure you want me to tell you that? And I was like, yeah, I might punch you in the face, <laughs> but I do. I want you to tell me that. Um, so, so maybe, you know, stand a few feet away. Um, and, and we got to that situation again. Um, like it started off really well. Um, but as Noah got bigger and he needed more, he just wasn't transferring enough. Um, and I went, I went back to the same lactation consultant, um, who I had worked with my first birth. And, and I, I have a huge amount of respect for her, um, and think she's just so good at what she does. And she said, you know, your pump is, is more effective right now than your baby. Um, so, you know, why don't you limit the number of times that you're nursing and, and otherwise pump it's faster. And so I tried that out and then found myself essentially like exclusively pumping. And that wasn't what I wanted either. You know, having raised a baby who basically got formula, um, majority formula anyway, and he is amazing. Like I didn't feel that strongly, um, that I give my baby breast milk. Um, I wanted a nursing relationship and, and I was able this time to say, you know what, I don't want to exclusively pump. Um, I want to have time to enjoy my baby and I can do that giving him a bottle. Um, and so it was much easier to let it go this time, um, from having had that experience before. And I think it did really make a difference. Like with Russell, it took that, you know, until I was done trying to force nursing on us. Um, to really feel like I could bond with him. And I, I felt much more able to bond with Noah right away um, because I wasn't like fighting it. Mm. You definitely gained a lot of wisdom. It sounds like from that first time. And, and I just want to put out there that I am so appreciative that you're sharing the challenge you had. Cause I think it is something many people in the community, many listeners have probably felt and gone through and to hear someone else just validate that. What did you, I loved what you said that you didn't need other people's permission to stop. You needed your own permission. Yeah. I, I, I think and there's something powerful to that. It's also, it was crazy to me how, you know, I had never heard of any breastfeeding challenges before I gave birth. Like nobody mentioned that breastfeeding is hard, even when it does work. Um, and then all of a sudden when I was struggling with it, all of these people came out of the woodwork to be like, oh yeah, I did that too. Um, and, and so, you know, there are just, there are so many people who have some sort of struggle with breastfeeding, um, even if it's not the mechanics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, again, it's, it's almost like, like miscarriage where it's, it happens a lot and no one talks about it. So I'm just mm-hmm. appreciative that you're putting it out there. That way others that are having that challenge don't feel alone and have that. What's wrong with my body? Why isn't this working? Yeah. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, if you can share one final tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new and expectant parents, we'll be right back. So you have now gone through this twice in two very different scenarios and you're a prenatal yoga teacher. So you've got a lot of experience from multi-dimensions. What is something you want to share? I think my, my best advice, um, is that everything is a phase. 
this is something it just it helps me so much to remember it that everything changes constantly um because on the on the positive side it it reminds me to appreciate when things are good um and and to really pay attention to the good things but it also gives me like solace that the things that suck <laughs> will be over soon yeah Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And then I actually had a new question that I threw in. I was thinking about this. So what is one thing you want your kids to know or carry with them about their birth? So I had to, in my own mind, I'm like, Deb, you have to explain this better. So for example, my mom is always telling um, pretty much anyone that will listen about I mean, literally like strangers. Um, and she's always talking about my birth. Like seriously, it gets embarrassing. Like, cause she was just here for my birthday a couple weeks ago and we were out to eat and she was like literally telling the waiter the story. Like I'm her mother. This is her yes. birthday. It was like, Oh my God, you're embarrassing me. Um, literally like she'll talk to like a rock. So my birth story that I was born very quickly and almost on the way to the hospital. So I grew up knowing that and both my kids kind of roll their eyes, but they know that they were born at home and they know that Shay took forever to be born. And we know that Sage, she often will say like, well, I was very quick. I cooperated. I'm like, that is who you are. Of course. She really (laughs) is like, it's very reflective of their personalities. Is there anything you want to be part of your kid's birth story? Yeah. So, so I thought about that a little bit and, and I think that their births also reflect their personalities in some ways. Um, at least as far as I can tell, you know, seven months into to this go around. But I think what I really want them to know is that they were both born the way that they needed to be born, mm. um, which was, you know, very different. And they are very different. Um, but I, I think it's funny that both of them were stubborn in their births. Um, like Russell actually was holding the umbilical cord between his face and his hand and so every time like I a had snuggly, a snuggly, like a little snuggly, yeah. like a lovey. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> but so every time I had a contraction, his, his heart rate decelerated. Oh, cause he squeezed the umbilical cord. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, they played with the Pitocin levels, but he was, he was really like clamped down on it. So C-section it was. Um, and, and Noah turned breach after being head down for some period of time. Um, like to the point where like his head was literally sticking out in the wall of my, of my belly above, right above my belly button. And I have a circle of, of stretch marks there. <laughs> um, and then, and then he had to be in a public harness because of, of hip dysplasia in his left hip, which sort of, I'm like, well, that serves you right. Um, <laughs> I, I have the stretch marks. You have to have this. Okay. <laughs> Um, you turned yourself upside down, so you deserve the harness. No, no, I, I actually <laughs> agonized over that harness. But, um, you know, their their parents are stubborn too, so it it probably serves us right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think ultimately that they were both just born the way that they needed to be born, and that that both of them have have beautiful birth stories. Oh, I think that is a treasure, and it you know how I feel about passing on family birth stories to the next generation, the next generation. And I love that you can offer positive view of birth to your children. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that you and Caprice were a big part of that. Um, That the teacher training just gave me 
such a different perspective um, than I had before. Oh, that makes me so happy. Meredith, I loved hearing your story. I also really enjoyed watching you go through the process. It's really an honor to walk beside you as I saw you move through all this. And you were so committed to showing up yes. for class. I loved it. It was really, it was just so fun to, to work with you again on a different level. So thank you. And thank you for sharing. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Thank you. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.